Martini Theatre on the Air is proud to present the man who would be Sherlock Holmes. Episode 7 With a violin case tight to his chest, the great detective backs away from his mother's portraiture. He then turns and walks swiftly from the two watery maternal eyes that seem to survey his every move. His boots hammer the floor in an equal military-like tone until one hollow knock from his heel stops him cold. To a normal man, this would go unnoticed, but to Sherlock Holmes, who ain't normal, it opens up a world of possibilities. He looks down at the carpet beneath his feet and pounces his boot upon the rug several times. He takes a step back, grabs hold of the rug's corner and hauls it up from the floor to uncover a closed trap door. He hooks the latch attached to it and pulls it open. With the usual fearless scowl that we have become so accustomed to, Holmes slinks down through it by way of a makeshift stairwell, trumped up by a cluster of lopsided wooden planks and thatched mud. Seconds later, he finds himself within a narrow passageway, all but black save for a set of luminous rays jutting through the cracks along the jams of a larger-than-usual wooden door. Behind that door, there flows a faint, bubbling, snapping sound. Holmes walks toward the door and cautiously opens it to peer down a staircase directly in front of him. Blazing torches alight the professor's laboratory to a golden year clashing with five vertical oblong glass cases, eight feet in height. Those cases are filled with a light green liquid substance that clouds the outline of something floating within them. The storm outside is all but boiling over as Dr. Watson, atop a fine steed, bounds from within the open doors of the local Keefe blacksmith. Holmes walks down an aisle. One side is lined with tables, stocked to the edges with medical apparatuses, flanked opposite by the column succession of vertical glass cases. The watery substance within him 
can barely obscure what now appear to be human figures. There is a label with a name written upon it attached to the bottom of each case. Below that is a medical chart adjoined to a spring clipboard. Holmes observes the first label. It reads, Robert Walton. He then continues to the next case where it reads, Victor Frankenstein. He then moves down to the next case, where there is no label, but the shape within is unlike the other two. It is unmistakably female. Sherlock Holmes stops and looks at it with a grave, inquisitive stare. It's Medusa-like air, angling out amongst the thick, green muck within. The Great One's brow folds as he steps toward it for a closer look. Suddenly, the shape's face clears the foggy waters and bangs up against the glass. It is the face of the woman in the portrait. Holmes's mother. Rebecca Adeline Holmes. Her black and heartless eyes stare inertly at the great detective as the reflection of a sneering Professor Moriarty appears upon the glass, superimposed upon her face. Holmes snaps and turns, scathing hatred burning in his eyes as he charges for Moriarty's throat, just as the ridiculously long arm of the monster stretches out from nowhere, nabbing Holmes by the neck, yanking him back and confining the great detective in a vice-like grip. Then. Out from the endless amount of dark corners step Lot and Tobert, Von Lied and Conrad. And then the room fills to the brim with goons, cutthroats and good-for-nothing ne'er-do-wells all led by the ever-toothless Dixie and his spiritual guru, Stockdale. Conrad turns to a table directly behind him and opens a small mahogany box that contains a prodigiously large and none-too-friendly hypodermic syringe. Watson arrives at the front gate of the tottering house, the cold air pumping from his steed's nostrils like a waning steam engine. Watson dismounts from said horse next to an ivy-covered pillar, and with a free hand he rips away at the vine, revealing a corroded bronze plaque that reads, Holmes Manor. The monster has Sherlock pinned to a most uncomfortable chair where his sleeve is ripped up to his shoulder, revealing a naked left arm. Naked all but for the needle from the mahogany box that now lay well embedded into the inner crook of his elbow. Conrad extracts the hypo from Holmes's vein as his bloodshot eyes droop below his vanquished brow. All the while, a jubilant Moriarty stands gloating before him. Master Sherlock Holmes. Within these glass vessels lie the beginnings of one man's magnificent dream that 
in return shall beget another man's worst nightmare. And with that, please allow me to introduce you to Professor Vomlead. Of Ingolstadt, no doubt. Ah, you've been doing your homework, as usual. Sir Robert Walton, I presume. You look well for a, a man who must be well over 125 years of age. An early success. He was born anew, but aged rapidly. Arthritic decay at an alarming and painful rate. And his eyes, the eyes are so difficult. Nothing more than useless, shrubbing black orbs that continually rip and tear as if skewered by a hot poker. But what great scientific achievement is not without its little kinks. Dr. Watson discreetly enters the foray and focuses a curious eye on the parlor room. With his army revolver at the ready, he enters and looks up at the portrait, and then at the open trap door below it. And with a same intrepidation as the great detective before him, Dr. Watson makes his way down that same trap door opening. Holmes's head bobbles toward the monster, who leans against a support beam that bends like a bow beneath his weight. And this, of course, would be the hideous abomination that Sir Robert saw fit to accompany his return from his botched expedition. Would I am most indebted to him for doing so? For, with this creature came, the extensive notes of his creator. But, where he endeavored to create life, from death, I strove to create life from the very core of our existence itself, the very essence of which lies within the flesh and blood of us all. I'm dreadfully sorry to disappoint you, but that woman is not my mother. Oh, really? She's nothing more than a shell. No, no different than that of a common sea urchin. You will think differently when she stands before you. Very much alive, and very much in love. Professor Moriarty walks up to a case with the body of a man floating within it. As it clears the mist, it can be seen as the junior image of the Professor himself. A very, very young Professor Moriarty. With her paramour of 18 absent years, once again by her side. Once again by her side. Above them all, the large wooden door upon the balcony slowly creaks open to reveal Dr. Watson's one inquisitive eye. Just in time to see the two goons lift Holmes from his chair and drag him up the stairs and down an hollow passageway and into the darkness beyond. Professor Moriarty follows with a vengeful sneer.
the goons carry arms across the prison door threshold and see to it that he is made to be very, very uncomfortable. If you are to succeed in bestowing life upon these atrocities, you will ultimately fail, for their minds will be of their own. You'll think of everything, don't you? But so have we. Vomlead, a word with you at once. The good doctor tiptoes along the subterranean hallway en route to Sherlock's cell door like a stable boy Ferio does the chambermaids in the Lord's Manor at midnight. A gaggle of goons round the corner, coming his way, prompting a lunge behind a nearby rock the size of his concupiscence. And while doing this, his pocket watch chain snags onto a phallic piece of stone, tears and falls to the ground. With its preoccupied possessor, completely unawares. I'm not quite sure I understand. Surely, Doctor, would you not have wished to possess the same cerebral dexterity of your mentor? His accomplishments are inferior to mine in every way. Watson unlatches a small grate window on a cell door, peers into the blackness and beckons. Holmes, Holmes, answer me. It's Watson. Holmes' fingers protrude through the window and grip its edges. Then, with what little strength he has within him, pulls his two swollen eyes up and into the face of his awaiting compatriot. By God, man, what the devil, cried Watson. You must act quickly, for time is the rival of humanity itself. that I could not bring myself to look that little worm in the eye for fear that he would read my every thought. With all due respect, Professor, you are speaking nonsense. Am I? By simple observation, I was like an open book to be read aloud. My every move supply him with a wealth of knowledge, from the flick of a cigarette to the nervous tapping of my foot. I see. Would that be your right or left foot? Mock me if you must, but I can assure you to the uncanny workings of his mind. The right and left foot would bear substantial variance. I am a practical man, so please get to the point and tell me what it is that you want. His intellect, his logical reasoning and foresight, that is what I desire. Can you give them to me? It is possible, but not without risk. The memories, the identification process, they may somehow permeate- Risk is of no consequence. 
It's madness. I would convince no one. But you must. Then reinforce and return. That is the only way. With his rational powers grafted within my own, I shall raise the dead and fashion a criminal empire unlike any the world has ever known. The tentacles of which shall spread so vast and boundless that the sun will never set upon them. Martini Theatre on the Air would like to extend our warmest regards to you, our most sincere listener, for tuning in this evening. We would also like to take this moment to thank the Martini Theatre players whose tireless effort and patience made tonight's broadcast possible. They are as follows. The Dislayed, Victoria Turner, Kerry Lynn Weber, Toby Williams, Michael Northergut, Jim Dana Tall, Timothy James Walsh, Stephen West, D.C. McCauley, Elmer V. Jackson, Robert Romeo Coates, Charles Waterman, and J.D. Booth. Martini Theatre would also like to thank Brian Conwell for his melodious introduction. The Man Who Would Be Sherlock Holmes was written and dramatized by Walter Barclay Campbell based upon the award-winning screenplay of the same name. Until next week, this is M-T-O-T-A signing off.